The Overwhelm is Optional podcast is for you if you want to quit the struggle with overwhelm, you want to live life to the full, you don't want to compromise your health and relationships in order to have well-paid, satisfying, meaningful work. You want it all on your terms. Hello, welcome to this week's episode of the Overwhelm is Optional podcast, making overwhelm optional for you. Woohoo! Because man, it's good to get out of overwhelm and have energy and clarity and be able to focus and be able to switch off and play, to be present with those we love. Imagine being able to actually hear your partner rather than having to battle between what your partner's saying and the stuff going on in your mind. Man, that's hard work. Such hard work. So make it easy on yourself. Settle back, whatever you're doing, and just let my words wash over you. This this episode might be more relaxing than it even normally is. People write and tell me how um, my voice calms them. I'm currently snuggled up on the settee under a blanket with two, well, actually my two cavaliers are always near me because many of you have heard uh, Rosie's contribution to the podcast in snoring, but um, they're actually next to me rather than sat behind me because I'm on the settee because it's nice on the settee and because I'm in that lovely, lovely sleepy state of having worked in the garden yesterday. Um, you know, when you do some real physical work, I'm actually thinking of a client at the moment who's training for the London Marathon. Amazing. You know, when you've really kind of physically got into your body and, and done a workout or something like that. For me, it's usually a gardening thing. I like to do my workouts kind of by accident. It's not by accident. It's also by design. I like to do my workouts in my garden. And to me, there's something deeply satisfying about creating of the garden creates a workout I just think that makes sense to me anyway yes you know that lovely feeling but at the same time it's like "Mm, should I be in my office recording this no Heidi you don't have to so I've brought my little snowball microphone downstairs so if this is a really really soporific episode you know why what was i doing to get so tired so deliriously so deliciously tired um i was moving um fresh compost like i mean freshly made finished compost um into one of the new raised beds which for me is just a joyous joyous exciting experience Simon is making new raised beds. He's pausing at the moment because he's in one of his busy periods of his flexible work. And that means I have to get on with it. (laughs) There's no excuse for going, oh, well, he's building at the moment. I don't have to do any heavy work like moving all the soil. But now I do because there's stuff and he's planting. And anyway, it's really exciting. So I've um, put preservative stuff on them um, and... Then I have filled them with a variety of things. So I had manure from my friend, a local farmer. I had our hot food waste compost, which is a rat proof thing for putting food waste, not just peelings. You can put cooked food in there. I don't think it's brilliant, I have to say, but it it's rat proof, which is good obviously otherwise no be no good at all and it does you know we don't have a lot of food waste because we have a lot of animals um but there is always something and yeah it's disgusting it smells horrible i have to say because i obviously haven't learned to use it properly but never mind but if you bury it quickly it's fine and it makes amazing vegetables because there's so much nutrition and i love that completion of the circle so It's surprising how many wheelbarrows of good nourishing stuff, compost, manure and soil you need to go in and fill fill a raised bed. It's really quite amazing. And in doing that, I get super fit. The only bad thing was I got bitten. There were like these tiny, tiny little beastie things. And I thought it was just a few. No, goodness me. It felt like they were biting me in the middle of the night. Obviously, they weren't because they wouldn't want to come and live in my bed with me because they're little beasties that live down the bottom of the garden near the woodland. 
But yeah, that that bit wasn't so much fun. But the whole, yeah, now I know that I'm going to have these new muscles tomorrow when my muscles aren't aching anymore. I, I love that. I love the way the body responds to that. I love that feeling of having done something powerfully strong. I mean, it's it's heavy work, right? Moving so, uh, what they call wheelbarrow full wheelbarrows full of soil is is good it's good work to be doing while listening to some of my favorite podcasts yeah that's what I that's what I was doing yesterday so that's why this may be a little bit of a sleepy oh how do you make me relaxed kind of podcast episode today although hopefully all my podcast episodes soothe you soothe you inspire you fill your heart, make you feel seen, heard, loved, understood, valued. That's what I want for you. Yes, I do. Right. This week, what are we up to this week? Well, I've been kind of doing, I don't like strict strict structure. You know that about me by now. But at the same time, I also like the freedom of structure. So there has been a kind of gentle rebel series developing. I might go back and label them all so easier for you to find. So we've looked at what the gentle rebel is. We've looked at the gentle rebellion, that kind of thing. And then we looked at what are the tools. So the tools are being able to realise that we're overusing the mind and that that's what leads to overwhelm. And that that blocks us from the easier, more joyful, happier, energetic ways of living. So that's what we're rebelling. Well, we're rebelling against the idea that we have to sacrifice our life to have a life because that doesn't make any sense, does it? A successful life means you work so hard that you have no time to enjoy said successful life or you enjoy parts of it. But there's always that pull back and the pull is usually work. Let's face it. And it's not because we don't love our work. Or we didn't used to love our work if we've reached that horrible place where it's like, need need to change. But if you, you know, if you have work that is basically good, you've worked really hard for it, you've invested a lot, you know, it's not necessarily the work, it's how the work is, isn't it? It's, it's how much it sucks out of you and and how little it's giving back. It's it's just something's gone wrong. And it's because of how we're doing it. So the problem is is When we use the traditional way of creating success, i.e. hard work, push, 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 override the signals from your body, um, push down, push away any longing from your heart, which is what we're talking about today. Um, And we we think we're temporarily sacrificing, but it becomes how we create this success. So they become ingrained habits. And because everybody else seems to be doing it or other people around us are like, well, it's just the way things are. You know, it's just the way things are. You can't. What do you expect? You can't possibly be as happy as you want to be. You can't possibly have the freedom and the energy that you want. Did you ever get people say that to you? I did, which is getting me thinking. Did people either stop saying that to me because I haven't noticed it recently or have I just changed the people I'm hanging out with? Yes, I think that might be it. I've changed. I've surrounded. And I think this is really this is so, so valuable. When you surround yourself with people who support and believe in your dreams, everything changes because we we can't do it all on our own. If, if the people around you just go, well, that's the way things are. Like overwhelm is an inevitable part of life. It may be crap, but it's just, just the, what do you expect? You want too much. You can't have all the things you want and not expect to be exhausted and overwhelmed. Well, that's not acceptable to me. That's not how we do things around here. That's what we're rebelling against. That that kind of inevitability of it. So, well, that's just how things are until you retire. Like, that's a load of rubbish. Like, that doesn't even make any sense. That's just, that's not acceptable to me. That is, forget it, not doing that. And although that's how I felt for my whole life, I did go through a period of time when I tried to wrestle with that inside um, the world of careers. You know, I I settled for a career and I tried desperately to rebel from inside it and it cost me, cost me hugely. Now I choose to do it by by being self-employed. But 
That doesn't mean you have to. Not all of my clients are self-employed. So it's not about it's not about what works for me. It's about what works for you. It's about you deciding, yeah, Heidi's right. I don't like this is rubbish. It's not just me. Thank goodness it's not just me. That's an amazing feeling, isn't it? So for me, me admitting this stuff, admitting it, I don't think I'm admitting anything. This is just who I am. Anyway, by me saying this is who I am and this, these are my non-negotiables, I think this is absolute rubbish. Sacrificing your life in order to have the said life is nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. And then the opposite is, well, if I want less, then I'll be OK. Well, that's no good either. Like, how's that any good? How is how is wanting less going to help? Like, And so then we're stuck, aren't we, between I can downsize my dreams and want less or I can work really, really hard and keep my dreams, but not have the energy to enjoy them as much as I want to. Like that's neither of those work for me. And I have tried both of them and I refuse. And in doing so, I had to find a way to create a life that worked for me. And that is what I've been up to. And that is what I've done. Does it mean my life is perfect? No. Because, you know, there isn't perfection and there is perfection. So if I look at, I say, yes, my life is perfect because I am being myself as much as I know how to be at this point. And within my life is the capacity for change and growth. And that's part of the perfection because I'm human and being human is messy and it's one hell of an adventure. And when we embrace that adventure, everything changes because it becomes an adventure rather than a struggle. Could my life be better? Always. Always. And thank God, otherwise it'd be so boring. So yes, there are things that I want right now that I don't have yet and I'm okay with that. Sometimes I'm not okay with that. Sometimes I'm incredibly impatient, but that is part of me learning, growing. It's an adventure. It's all an adventure. Does that mean I'm always happy? God, no. (laughs) No. Like, there's a full range of emotions. Anybody who knows me knows I'm very emotional. Lots of different emotions going on. But am I better at accepting those emotions, regulating those emotions, returning to myself, loving myself, accepting myself? Yes. So, is my life perfect? In many ways, yes, because it's my life. Are there other things that I want and want to change? Yes. And that's part of the adventure. And there you have it. The difference is, is that before I was really hard on myself. I was I was like, oh, I'm a self-improvement project. If I change this or this and if I get this promotion or if I start this business or if I sort this relationship out, if I do this to the house, then things will be better. And what I found is it doesn't work that way. Yes, it matters very much. The things that you attract into your life, the the place you live. There is no doubt that this home I live in now is my dream home, that I wake up in the morning and I listen to the silence. I feel the space around me and I love it. It's not that external stuff doesn't matter. It's that it starts internally, that it's the how, like my ability to, it's taken me a long time actually to appreciate this home because since moving into it, you know, I had to quit my job. So then there's the whole uh, financial crunch and also the house needs more love poured into it than expected. And I think it's probably pretty normal. Sometimes I feel like I'm in I'm on Channel 4's Grand Designs project and that is an emo- that can be an emotional roller coaster. So. It's about just listening. What is it I want? How do I want to feel? So how I feel when I wake up and I appreciate my my home, I was going to say my new home, but it's not new anymore, but it still has that deliciousness of that dream. You know, I dreamt about it. I envisaged it. I searched for it. It took us a couple of years to find. And then you have to go through all the, will they accept our offer? I still remember the day I made the offer and I was jumping up and down going, pick us, we'll love the garden. Oh, so funny. I am hilarious. Um, It's the feeling. 
It's the being able to appreciate what I have. It's being able to dream about what I want without that becoming a, I don't have it, that's terrible. So it's the how. The, the gentle rebel way is very much connecting to yourself, loving and accepting yourself, saying, this is not for me, gently but firmly. This is what I want. How can I make that happen? How do I want to feel? Not what do I want to work hard for next? What do I want to change about myself next? So everything's always a to-do list, an improvement list in order to have a full life. The full life starts with, I feel full today. This is what I have already. And then the acceptance that, and now I want to feel fuller and expand into, because the stuff that's annoying is the, is the clue. So a really interesting one for me is with clients who their businesses are successful, but they aren't yet able to feel successful because they can't step into the feeling of success because the business was built using the old way, pushing really hard, sacrificing, getting really overwhelmed, forcing the mind to push and think through overwhelm. And so that's how it's been set up. So the business that is being created it's, is successful, but it doesn't work for them because it was built using the old way. So now the, the job is is to go, oh, right, so I don't want it to be this way. I want to keep the success of the business. Actually, they all want more than that. This is what's really interesting um, because all the people I work with, they actually want more. They don't always want to admit that because it can be scary. It's what, again, what we're talking about today. But it's that, but I want more, but I've got a lot. If only I could just make this work. But actually what's really going on is I want, and not only do I want to be able to enjoy more of my life because they, they love their homes, their families, their animals, they have things they do they love. But it's also that, but I want to feel at ease with it and I want to expand the business on top of that, which if you think about it, it's really frustrating because if, if you feel like you can't cope with what you've already got, how the hell are you ever going to dare to expand it? It's too risky, right? It's like, well, that's just going to double my overwhelm. And even if it, even if you kind of think, well, no, no, of course it won't, because when the business is more successful, I'll have more money and blah, 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 and this will solve these other problems. Unless we start with the inside work, the let's make this level of success work. Let's let's tap into the feelings of it, because feeling successful to me, what does it mean to you? To me, it means this feeling of spaciousness, this like, yeah, I made it. I worked really hard for this. I deserve this. I created this. Look at me. Woohoo. Celebrate Heidi. Woohoo. Um, and then from there going, and so what's the next adventure? Rather than if only I could sort this, then I this, then I could cope with this. So it's moving from that survival, which is how we've been taught to create success into that expansive. I've arrived here. I'm celebrating myself. I've done this. So therefore, I can now do this. It's, it's a really empowering way, but it's the gentle rebel way is very gentle. It's not that bashing. You ought to be more organized. You ought to be able to cope with this. Why have you not done this? Why is the business stuck? What's wrong with you? Why are you procrastinating? Why? Da -da -da -da? No, no, no. Be on your own side. Right. Are you ready for the third part of the Gentle Rebel uh, way of navigating? This is the navigation system. So then, so usually we overuse the mind, leading to overwhelm. Inevitably, because the brain has been built or has evolved in order to keep you safe. And so the nervous system gets stuck in high alert, but we're not really aware of it because nobody teaches us. Imagine if at school you learn all about your nervous system and this is when it's in high alert and this is when it's at rest and this is when it's focused. Da, 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 but we don't. We don't learn that. Nobody knows about it at school. Just the way things are. Forget that. Don't worry about that. Put that to one side. You get to learn it here. So it's about saying, OK, so my mind gets overwhelmed when I overuse it. It's going to it's just not designed. The brain's not designed that way. But the mind is brilliant. I love it. I love my mind. 
but it's a little bit negative, just a little bit, in order to keep me safe. So I'm grateful for its negativity. I'm grateful for the fact that it's telling me it's overwhelmed because there's another way. So everything that's annoying you is just pointing to what you want instead. So if you're overwhelmed, what do you want? You want ease. If you can't think straight, what do you want? You want the ability to think straight. It's it's not that hard when we when we choose to see it in a different way. So to me, it's going from overwhelm to ease. How? Get out of your head and start using your body for the things that your body knows how to do. So there are a ton of things your body knows how to do. And that was last week's episode. Your body knows how much you need to drink. It knows the kind of food that makes it feel good. It knows when it needs to move, rest, connect, dance, sing. Oh, I've been learning about more. Again, goes around circles, doesn't it? I've been learning more about how singing can make you feel really good. I'm not going into it now. But you can Google like, well, I've been, um, oh, I tried. I got a bit bored. I haven't quite sussed it out yet. I've done it before. I did it on my yoga teacher training, but I didn't do anything with it. It's when you do the vocal sounds for the, the chakras and it can feel really good. And I'm particularly interested, obviously, in the throat chakra, which is finding my voice because, well, <laughs> what am I doing right now? So the more authentically I share my um, passion and mission with you, the more I connect with you, the more I help you, the more I get my mission out into the world. So for me, this this having having the courage to speak my truth, my voice. I've always hated it when people say speak your truth, like like we have one truth. I never understand that. It's too serious for me. What I mean is, but it kind of is speaking your truth. <laughs> I'm laughing now. I just don't like it when it gets all seriously sincere. I guess I'm just very English and self-deprecating. Anyway, so opening the throat chakra by um, doing some humming and some vocal toning to do with chakras. Anyway, what was I talking about? Let's go back to it. Your body knows a ton of stuff. You can outsource a ton of stuff in your mind to the body. This is about rebuilding and list your, your relationship with your body, reconnecting, trusting your body, moving from seeing your body as an inconvenient way to carry around your mind and treating it like the old friend it is with love, care, respect, listening deeply to it and then controlling the attention. So um, that was two episodes back. So the whole the mind is easily distracted, easily overwhelmed. So it needs some structure. It needs you. You need to learn to value your attention. Where's your attention going? Because that's where all your energy is going. So noticing where it's going, valuing it. Anyway, you can go back to that one. And the third part of the puzzle is because this is how we navigate. This is our internal compass, the heart. So today I'm asking you the most difficult question I ever ask anyone. What do you want? Well, that's easy, Heidi. No, it's not. It's an extraordinarily, deceptively difficult question. And I, I actually thought, why are you asking on a podcast? You can't coach everyone from your, well, I'm on the settee this week, but I'm still going to ask you. What do you want? What do you really want? And dare you, dare you, dare you, dare you to let the little whispers from your heart come through. Now, we've got ways of doing that that make it easy because we are gentle rebels. So we do it the easiest way. We do it the gentlest way. We do it without alerting the amygdala, the fear centre in the brain, which will just shut it all down to keep you safe in case there's a bear about to eat you. But before we do that, I want to share with you an unexpectedly lovely thing that a client shared with me this week because it's part of what she wanted. It might seem like a small thing, but it's actually a huge, huge breakthrough. So, and she said, Heidi Mark, making the impossible possible, which just made me laugh. I love that. So basically, um, probably one of the biggest sources of frustration for this client was that she just couldn't move her business forward and she was just like so much energy goes into being in that stuck position in whatever we're in in life and if you have a business where you poured your heart into it but it's just you can't, it's like can't why is it not growing and it's because you're doing all the things and you have to do all of those things and it's not just a matter of outsourcing or making more money it's much deeper than that and there's lots of things locked up 
in not moving forward in life, aren't there? A lot of it's fear. A lot of it's not really knowing what we want. So getting clarity over what you want, which is what we're looking at this week. And one of the things that this manifested as in her life was (laughs) cleaning. (laughs) I'm laughing now. I'm laughing because I love her so much. She's an amazing woman. So basically, we kind of, in a coaching session, we dug really deeply into, so why are you not doing the things that when... So if I went through the like, so what, you know, what identifying the tasks that she needed to do, the smallest possible thing that she needed to do in order to start unsticking the business and moving forward, and then she wouldn't have done it. I'm like, well, what were you doing instead? Because when you've uncovered what, it, you know, the dream, what you really, and we, her dream is huge, and I'm not going to share it with you because it's private. Um, but it's big and it's exciting and it's really deeply hard. So she was really, she's really done the work and connected to her heart. And it's an incredible dream. But in order to do that, she needs to grow a business. And she wasn't growing a business. She's going around in circles, overwhelmed, frustrated and exhausted. And it's exhausting that, because the energy is going into being stuck. So I think of it like um, a spring, like Zebedee. Boing. So the it's like kinetic energy frustration, like you're stuck, you can't move forward and you've got all this, but it's exhausting holding that spring shut. It costs you. So if you feel like that, recognize that you don't have to do anything. You just have to go, oh, yeah, that's me. And that's enough. Because noticing that neutrally, that is huge. That self-awareness without judgment, neutral noticing. Yes, that's how I feel. That. Acknowledge it. Allow space for it. Oh, that's how I feel. Then you might get all this judgment in your mind. You can notice that completely neutrally as well because your mind's just trying to keep you safe. Anyway, back to this lovely, lovely client. Um, anyway, turns out she did loads of cleaning. Like, now this is one smart, savvy woman. You know, she's running her section of the world for her family two businesses, children, dogs, all of it, right? And of course, this doesn't make any sense to me because I used to be a single working mum. So it's like, what's one of the first things, you know, you have to, being a, the advantage of being a single working mother is that you have to, you have to get your priorities in order. You don't have any choice because there's nobody coming in. There's nobody coming to rescue you. And it's not possible. Like, so you have to decide what's most important. And to me, cleaning wasn't top of the list. Hygiene was important and enough organisation to make sure everybody had their stuff, but not constant cleaning. It just wasn't possible. So and what was interesting to me is I know she could afford a cleaner. So I was like, "Hmm, well, this is really interesting. Why are you cleaning all the time? What's that about? And it turned out that she was actually addicted to cleaning but she wasn't able to admit it. And she said to me last week, I was addicted to cleaning in order to avoid doing the work in my business. Now, this is really interesting, isn't it? You'd think that that when we reach this level of pain where we're so stuck that we're stopping, we're preventing moving forward into our dream life, you would think that obviously you would just go, well, I'll just do this tiny, tiny thing and I'll start moving forward. But she was so scared of her business growing that she was cleaning all the time. So this is a big issue and it had been going on for a very long time by the time we uncovered it. Um, fairly, obviously, we uncovered this fairly early on in her doing um, Get Your Life Back With Me. Um, but anyway, she then came across a cleaning app that told you, I think it was for cleaning for mothers or something, I can't remember what it was. And it was like you just do half an hour a day but very specifically so over a certain amount of time you'd have done the whole house thoroughly and she loved it it was like 30 minutes with music on power cleaning and it was so freeing for her because she was able to to look at other bits of the house that hadn't been cleaned that day and leave them because she knew that they were taken care of within this cleaning program so this was life-changing for her but what's really really interesting is here we are now and she said to me I've got to tell you this, Heidi Mart making the impossible possible. I hired a cleaner and it has changed my life. Oh my God, it was just joy, 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 joy to hear this. She's hired a cleaner, which means she has let go of the need to control the cleaning. 
She's outsourced the cleaning and she comes home and says it's amazing because she's got the cleaner to do all of the tasks that she didn't enjoy. So she enjoys cleaning. So she's kept those ones. But somebody's taking care and it's that bug, the things that bugged her. They're being taken care of. And this has freed up space in her mind. She's now much more focused on her business. And it was just amazing. So I just wanted to share that because it's a simple story, but it's there's a lot of depth to it. There's a lot of things for you to think about. And it's just something to celebrate. I love celebrating how my clients and my students inside Get Your Life Back continually, because it's a continual process, continually make the changes in their life in a way that works for them. So not sudden, disruptively, harshly, um, but just gradually so that they can get closer and closer, more aligned to what their heart wants. It's just, it's just joy, absolute joy. She now says the house feels amazing, whereas before the house was a source of pressure. And that's it, isn't it? That's success. Success is when you're able to feel good. You're able to feel like there's space for you. You feel happy. You have this like feeling at home in yourself, feeling at home in your life rather than feeling pressured by everything you're carrying. So I'm going to ask you again, what is it that you want? What is it that you really want deep down? What's buried? And this is what we uncover when we dare to connect to our heart. So it's impossible to have what you want unless you know what you want. Because you have to let the mind know so the mind can look out for it. It's just the way it is. It's not all going to magically come true without you saying. And you don't have to tell anybody if you don't want to, but telling yourself, yeah, what I really want is. And it doesn't have to be a big deal. So often when we go, what do I want? We start thinking, you know, dream boards and like big projects and plans. And sometimes what we really want is peace is a good night's sleep, is some time to ourselves to think clearly, to get out of overwhelm for a moment and be able to see the easier ways. It can actually be quite simple. In fact, the more the more simple you can make it, the easier it is because you can hang on to simple things. Big dreams can be harder because they they feel like it's just impossible and that the, the cost to you to get to that dream is too hard. Whereas if you focus on the feeling... I want to feel, for me, it's I want to feel at home in my life. I want to feel at home in myself. I want to be acceptable to myself. I want to feel loved and appreciated by myself. It has, I've learned that it has to come from me. It, it can't come externally. So I was actually thinking about um, when I met my partner and I'd done that Bridget Jones 30s thing, you know, like, why do why does nobody want to be with me why can I not meet anyone blah 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 and then I reached a stage where actually you know there were available people people set me up with people but they weren't for me and I'd know immediately and when you're single in your 30s all of the as Bridget Jones called them smugged smug married people would ask very personal questions about the single people just how it was in my 30s and the truth was, I would know immediately I met someone, whether they were for me, because I was learning to trust myself. And then in the end, I just thought, well, I'd rather be on my own than with the wrong person, somebody who doesn't feel right. And as soon as I did that, things changed. And as soon as I said, actually, I'm just going to love myself first, as soon as I valued myself, and then actually I drew up a list. And everybody says, you can't have a list. I'm like, well, I'm having one because unless the person has everything on this list, I'd rather be on my own. And you think by narrowing it down, by daring to say what your heart wants, you're never going to get it because that's impossible. But being Heidi Mark, making the impossible possible, I met my partner and he had everything on the list and much, much more. And Nearly 16 years later, I would say he's the love of my life. I'm still in love with him. Does it? Does that mean it's always, you know, woohoo, amazing? 
no sometimes I he really annoys me but mostly I say actually yes it's really good and I'm really lucky and I'm really grateful um but that took me saying I'm worth it and this is what I want and that's a connection to the heart and another story I can share with you is this so back in 2007 I had graduated in 2006 um, in psychology because I love people. I am fascinated by people. I love just learning about how we behave, what makes us tick. And in those days, I was more interested in like neurons and the science thing. Now I'm much more interested in energy and um, passion and fulfillment, so more of the positive psychology, which wasn't in the degree in those days. I don't know if it is now. Um, anyway, so I'd graduated, I'd done all of this work, woohoo! And then what I wanted to be, I didn't want to be anymore. I wanted to be an educational psychologist, and then I was like, meh, that's not, that's not me anymore, that had passed. So then I'm like, hmm, well, what do I want to be? Um, and I came across, I don't know how it happened, but I came across this thing called coaching, coaching. And although I didn't like the idea of being a life coach, because that felt a little bit embarrassing, like, oh, that means I'm better at life than everybody else, uh, which certainly wasn't true. Um, I did love, the more I delved into coaching, the more it just lit me up. It just made sense. It was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. it really did pique my interest. So I got my certificate and I signed up for the diploma and I was setting up my business. I had two people who wanted to work with me and then I fell into a hole and lost all my courage, all my courage. So what happened? Both my children left home at the same time which I really don't recommend. <laughs> it's just too much of a shift. Oh my goodness. You know, there's me all like, this is amazing. I've managed to raise two young men on my own. I've done really well. And then they went and I was just like, I don't know. I guess it's grief. It's shock because it's just this big hole. It was just weird. And also the world did that financial crash thing. So then you know, money. Oh, no, this isn't the time to be launching a business. And then what else happened? Oh, yeah, that's it. The part time job I had that would have supported me while setting up my business, they were making redundancies. And I'd had a chat with my line manager saying I may or may not be thinking of leaving. And she announced in the department meeting that I was leaving. And because other people were like desperate to hold on to their jobs and I was super excited about my new business, I didn't stand up. I didn't say, excuse me, uh, that's a bit weird because she was known for doing that anyway. And oh, I don't know. I don't know what happened. It's like, oh, so there I was lost on my courage thinking, well, who am I to coach? Because I'm in now in a hole, so I can't coach anyone. It takes a lot of courage to become a coach, such a lot of courage to say I can help people. Um, and <laughs> so I went to some part-time work for a bit and it was exhausting. And then people kept asking me questions. People get asking me to help their kids with their maths. And I'd previously helped. That's one of the jobs I'd had while my children were growing up. And it just like made sense and blah, blah, blah. And, the, you know, what do you do in a financial crisis when you've lost your confidence? You go and pick a career that is secure. So I became a math teacher and not only but being the kind of person I am which is somebody who goes full force with full passion and and makes it into a vocation I went full in and just poured my heart into it and made it into a vocation and I it's a weird thing because on the one hand I felt I had the best job in the world you know from the classroom I could I could change the world you know one pupil at a time teaching them to trust themselves to achieve their dreams and on the other hand the first blog I ever wrote as a teacher in 2010 was 
I love my job, but it's killing me. So you've got those two things going on. I'm going around saying, yeah, this is the best job in the world. And then I'm crying in cafes at the weekend with exhaustion and overwhelm and frustration because I cannot make this life work for me. And I wonder why I couldn't. It's easy with hindsight, isn't it? But it wasn't what my heart wanted to do. It was a detour. It was a detour because I didn't have the courage to do what I'm doing now. And I'm okay with that. Well, I'm kind of okay. I'm not completely okay with it because I've been really uncovering it and delving into it recently. So I'm still at that kind of um, forgiveness stage, you know, that like, oh, Heidi, why did you do that? And I'm grateful because I learned masses and I wouldn't be coaching who I'm coaching now. I wouldn't be coaching successful women who want to feel successful and be more successful. I wouldn't be coaching, well, I might be, who knows what I'd be doing because it would have been a different route to this adventure. But this is a story of not listening to your heart. This is what happens when we don't listen to our heart. We take a detour. So the client I was talking about earlier, who's taken a year to really let go of her um, addiction to cleaning to be able to say, yeah, I use cleaning to avoid working in my business. Um, you know, it's, that's a hell of a detour, but we all do it because life's an adventure. You know, if we all knew, if we all had everything sussed, well, that'd be a bit boring. I don't know what we'd be doing because we're here to expand and grow. And it's through the expansion and growth that we get more and more joy. But that doesn't mean we always have to take the hard route. And I think this is really important. And the fastest way to achieving what you really want is to listen to your heart, is to dare to connect. But because it's risky, because for generations after generation, we have been taught not to follow our dreams, not to listen to our hearts, that it is dangerous, that it risks your survival. That's that's pretty much kind of passed down as in our cells. So but life is changing now. Things are changing and we are able now I believe it's easier right now it might not feel it but I do believe there are greater opportunities for us right now to say actually I choose myself I choose what I really want and by committing to that we can make it happen but the really good news is as a gentle rebel we use methods and tools that make it easy that make it less scary that don't require quite the same amount of courage not that like gut-wrenching standing on the edge of a cliff leap and the net will appear all of that stuff you know it's nice in in a kind of way but it's more of the like um walking through fire personal development isn't it and the gentle rebel way is is to not do that unless unless you want to do that um the gentle rebel way is to say okay i'm going to listen to my heart but because I'm not used to listening at my heart. I get that it might be tricky. So I'm just going to listen gently. And then it's to do so neutrally. So we use neutral noticing. So it would just be dropping the attention into the heart, which links back to the attention practice, which is great. So what I love about this is that because we're pulling it all together, controlling your attention, listening to your body and listening to your heart, you do it all. You can do it all in one go. So. In the one minute mark, my free audio, we don't go into the heart. We just do the attention practice into the body. But you can do that and then add into it and, and then just drop into your heart space. Now, we're not dropping into the left hand side. Of, we're not dropping into the physical organ. We're dropping into the heart space, which is the center of the chest. And it goes all the way through to the back of the chest. And it's that lovely part that somebody hugs or pats you on the back. So your heart space. And it's just dropping the attention in there. And what I mean by listening, well, the easiest way, I mean, you can listen as in, if you really want to, you could, and I wouldn't, I don't recommend starting here, but it depends where you are and what you feel called to do, because it's your practice. But there is a practice of listening to the heart, as in you drop your attention into the heart and you ask a question and then you listen, you literally listen and it might come as a voice or an intuition. But what I'm actually doing is going back a step further than that to make it easier even easier. Um, first of all, remember, it's just a practice. It's always a practice. There's no such thing as perfection. You're already perfect. So there's no striving for that. 
So you drop your attention into the centre of your chest. And then you just notice completely neutrally any physical sensations in this place. And that's it. And then on top of that, you're going to get the mind will probably weigh in with, oh, well, my heart's really heavy or my heart feels stuck or I don't know, whatever, because minds do their own adventuring. But instead of getting caught up in the mind's commentary, running commentary on the physical sensations, if there are any, because that's another thing. Sometimes you feel like you're just like, well, I don't know. I can't connect to my heart. So that's another judgment from the mind. So it's noticing all of it completely neutrally and then keep returning over and over again because your mind is going to hijack your attention. That That's it's what it does. It's supposed to do that. Can we just be really clear about this? Your mind is supposed to hijack your attention. It, it's it's to keep you safe. If your mind couldn't hijack your attention, then if you were meditating and the house was on fire, you wouldn't notice. And that's not what the point is. The point is to be more aware, more aware, not less, but it's to be able to control your attention. So you're aware of the house, you're aware of your body, you're aware of the busyness or not of your mind, you're aware of the temperature in the room, you're aware of the physical sensations in your heart, you're aware of all of it, but you get to choose where you put your attention. So each time you notice that you're attention has been hijacked, usually by your own mind, gently but firmly placing the attention back into your heart is the practice. The practice is not somehow being like Yoda. We are not aiming for Star Wars here. We are aiming as gentle rebels to be more aware of who we are, what makes us happy and to create a life where we get to be that person that we know and love. Not aiming to be Yoda or some ninja. So the practice of listening to the heart is to just place the attention in the heart space, notice any physical sensations or not, notice any commentary from the mind or not, and notice all of it completely neutrally. Now, you might think, well, that's not going to tell me the answer to the question, Heidi. How's that going to tell me what I want? That doesn't seem like much. But as a gentle rebel, you choose to take the easiest path. And I promise you, this is the easiest and most effective and most powerful way to get to the stage where you can listen to your heart, where your intuition is there for you. It starts with this. This works. I use this all the time for myself, for my clients. It's there's a a module. I was going to say there's a whole module in Get Your Life Back. Get Your Life Back is not some huge course with these huge modules. They are the tiniest, most impactful modules. And I'm I'm like, if you could see me, I'm doing modules, this tiny, tiny little thing, because everything is tiny, huge. What's the smallest thing we can do that will have the biggest impact for you? Listening to your heart, connecting to your heart, just dropping into your heart and noticing, noticing completely neutral, neutrally, any physical sensations in the heart space. Start there. Just start there. See what happens. Keep doing it. It's a practice. Let me know how you get on. And then when you're ready, you can start going, oh, what do I want? Oh, I wonder what I want. And the simplest way to answer that question is to have no expectation of achieving some final answer as if there's one right answer and you're going to fail the exam if you don't get it right and you'll never be happy. That's a load of rubbish. What you want changes all the time. It's what do I want next? What do I want at the moment? What would make me most happy now? We can do it on the grand scale, big dream board, which I highly recommend, but not all at once because it can be really overwhelming and this huge pressure. And we're about getting rid of the overwhelm and the pressure here to, oh, which mug would I like to have my tea in? So, for example, I had an unexpectedly lovely moment. I think it was Friday. I went to make a cup of tea and I looked at the mugs and I realised there were two equally wonderfully and they were li- they were literally filling my heart. 
I'm not kidding you. When you listen to the heart, you're, you notice what makes you happy more. You, it, it's almost, it's incidental, it's effortless. So I'm looking at my mugs and there's one with the Moomins on and there's one which is a handmade mug, which Simon bought, Simon bought me both of them and I love them. I love the thought he, you know, the mugs represent the love and the appreciation he feels for me, the fact that he notices how much I love the Moomins, the fact that he spontaneously bought this handmade one and I love it. Like there is so much wrapped up in those mugs. And the fact that I had two mugs that I, that equally were a complete joy to, and I have other mugs with other stories and other love attached to them. But these two were just standing out to me. My heart felt full and this, unexpectedly lovely moment of like oh my god this is sheer bliss I'm not kidding this is what happens when you become a gentle rebel and you keep practicing committing to yourself first I'm standing the kettle's boiling I'm looking at these two mugs and I am in heaven like to the point of I'm telling you this now and there are tears coming to my eyes with love and happiness because my life is so good because I notice the goodness in it, because I choose to get out of overwhelm, because the overwhelm hides this goodness, which is here. I can't remember which, I think I went Moomins in the end, just for fun, but it wouldn't have mattered. Both of them were brilliant, but actually what matters to me is that I take tiny things which which are unimportant relatively. So the choice between which mug to happen to have is not as important as, um, I don't know, something like which design to have in our kitchen, that kind of thing. It's like they're not, it's not going to have the same long lasting impact. But what I've learned is the more I dare to override that kind of and see if you get this like I'm in the shower and I've got a, a choice of the most beautiful shower gels and I kind of go oh just to have that one because it's there and it's easy and it's open and I've noticed that that when I do that when I override the need to make a fuss and pick the tiniest thing that would make me most happy that I'm I'm noticing that that is a pullback to that all of those years when I put myself last, when I didn't say, actually, what would make me really happy is this. It's like the whole, you're really, really tired and somebody says, what do you want for dinner? Like, I don't know, I don't care, I'm too tired. But actually, what you really, really want is this, but you don't have the energy. You're not, you're not in the, you're not in the powerful practice of identifying, knowing what would make you happy. And these are small things. And because we say, well, it doesn't really matter. I'm just tired. I just need to eat and go to bed. It's like, it doesn't matter. But the, these things matter. The reason they matter is the more we pick ourselves, the things that really make us happy, the more we, we choose to use our favorite mug and enjoy using it, the more we get of that feeling. And it's easier to do it with things that don't matter. We think that we will summon the courage up when it really matters. But it's so hard to do it when it really matters. Because when it really matters, we're too overwhelmed. It's taken so much effort to get there. We're like, oh, I don't care. Just make it all stop. I We nearly bought the wrong house before buying this. Because I was so sick of my commute. I was so sick of not finding the house I want. And we were about to exchange contracts. And there was something that solicitor said. I mean, she wasn't doing a job because she kind of handed she handed me this huge file and said, you want to check all of that. It was almost like you want to check all of that because there's something wrong. That's what it felt like. Now, I'd been working late. I I can't remember. I think I just had a parent's evening. So it's like a stupidly long day. could hardly think straight. Simon was working away and we were supposed to exchange contracts the next day based on this huge lump of legal information, which I had paid this solicitor to do, but she obviously hadn't done a job because instead of saying, this is what's going on, she gave it all to me. She was probably overwhelmed as well. So I took it home and read all of it. <laughs> I was so tired. Oh my God. And I looked through and my heart was suddenly like, oh my God, no. 
And I, I, just, I got this such a strong reaction. And it wasn't just that. It was all of the other doubts I'd had that I'd overridden. You know, I'd gone, it doesn't matter. That will do. Just move house, move house. Just get it done. I'm sick of looking. I can't stand the overwhelm anymore. Just get it done. And I got this, re- like, this is not my house. This is not right. This is not going to make me happy. This isn't going to solve any of the problems about the commute because it was actually on the wrong side of the bit, the traffic jammy bit. And it, it was wrong. Everything about it was wrong. And I just got this clarity and I, I had to <laughs> phone Simon who's working away and super busy as well and go, I want to drop out of this house. And also the whole like we'd met the people and we we all wanted to be in for Christmas. And it was such a mean thing to do. And it's oh, my God, well, I'm this horrible person. But it, it was so wrong. And that was not listening to my heart, not having high enough expectations, being immensely stupid, so busy at work and so stressed by work that I could not pay attention to the rest of my life. Bonkers stuff happens when we're too overwhelmed, we don't take care of ourselves and we don't listen to our hearts and what we really, really want. It is easier much, much easier to pay attention to the tiny things, to make the fuss for ourselves about the tiny things. Choose the shower gel each morning that makes you most happy. If it, if shower gel's your thing, you might be thinking, oh, I don't really care. We've only got one shower gel. You know what I'm saying. It might not be shower gel for you. It might be put your best pants on. I don't know. Wear a hat. Choose which song to go to work singing you know whatever it is it's the tiny tiny things that make up the life of unexpected loveliness we think it's the big external things the job the business success the house the partner it is those things but within that it's the it's the millions of tiny things that add up and those things are easier to practice on and easier to choose. You get to decide that you are worth making a fuss over. You are worth spending that split second dropping into your heart and going, which mug do I really want to be drinking out of now? How can I make this cup of tea the most joyful experience? Because you matter. Because what lights you up, what fills your heart, what makes your heart sing is your navigation. And the more you drop into the heart, the more you pay attention to what you really want, the happier, the easier, the more rebellious you get to be. Because nobody knows that you deliberately make a fuss in choosing that mug, drinking it in that place in that way is you rebelling nobody knows because you don't have to tell them and they don't have to notice and if somebody says oh you're really fussy about your mugs you can go yes I am (laughs) because I matter and I'm gonna really enjoy this cup of tea it's a it's an eccentric rebellion people can cope with that or don't tell them just smile secretly and be proud of the fact that you're making a fuss for yourself you'd make a fuss for somebody else make a fuss for yourself you are worth it you are so so worth it if you would like me to coach you through that amazing question what do you really want to hold space for you, to listen deeply, to ask you the questions that help you and guide you and teach you my methods for connecting to the heart deeply. And then to help you cut through the overwhelm, gain those gentle rebel skills and start creating a life that you really, truly feel at home in, that allows you to feel deeply at home in yourself. Then book a discovery call. The Um, link is just below the show in the show notes and let's talk it's just an informal chat no obligation never any pressure I only work with people for whom it's a absolute yes this is what I want to do from me as well as you 
it's a heartfelt, yeah, working together would be, yes. Anyway, have a wonderful week, an unexpectedly lovely week. How? Listen to your heart and create a fuss for yourself, gently, rebelliously, with your teacups, your shower gel, whatever makes you happy. And I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. If this resonates with you, please use the like, subscribe and share buttons to help other people find their way here too. And please do go to www.heidimark.co.uk forward slash the one minute mark with an E to join my mailing list and receive my free one minute life changing audio practice.